this would, I think. Um, yeah, so I like, I like to preach in camo because it's more humble because you can't see me, so that's what I like to do. That was especially for Zachariah. He loves when I wear camo. Um, <clears throat> so last week, if you didn't, if you weren't here, you didn't hear that one, I really want to encourage you to go back and, and uh, try to listen to that one because that one's probably more foundational than this week. Um, but that had to be laid for what I feel the, uh, the Lord wants me to share tonight. Um, and it's, like he said, small groups is just a, a placeholder for whatever name you know ends up being. But the kind of epiphany um, just from the Lord is like, it's, it's not the meeting, it's not the place, it's not the time, it's not the commitment to a weekly gathering or whatever it would be, like, a, you know, every other week, monthly, whatever. That's not the, that's not the group. The, the bottom line last week was the group is the people and the relationships and what uh, we, so just kind of recapping, what is really, really uh, on, on my heart, on our hearts to accomplish is that we'd have discipleship, like real, authentic, organic discipleship, not programs and blah, 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 but that it would be like what the Lord would lead, um, in a, in a, kind of in a more natural way, that we'd have fellowship, because at some point, all the Christians will be discipled. In, in the scope of eternity, all the Christians will be discipled, and we're not going to have that anymore. It's kind of like we're not going to have prophecy anymore. We don't need it. We're in a, we will, we'll be in a better place. So even, even in this life, when we get to the point where discipleship's done, uh, then there's just fellowship that's left. And then also, the other thing is just pastoral care. Um, you know, some, sometimes things happen in life and we need, we need somebody to be there and we, wanna, we really want to have that designated and just have a close-knit community where we can have a space for deep relationships to really forge and grow. And um, so it's not just this typical top-down leadership thing where it's like the pastor's got all the weight and responsibility and a lot of things get neglected because he's going to get burnt out if he does everything and so on. But um, just as David's heart has always been, really since they've started this, this uh, church, this ministry, is really more to like deputize people and, and not just have this top-down leadership structure, but... We're all brothers, uh, which is really sweet. It's a, it's a beautiful thing how David um, holds up with an open hand. And so um, as we do this, as we, these things get developed, that we would honor that and have a, a spirit of ownership and uh, take it seriously, uh, but not in a kind of typical commitment sort of way. So I want to get into more of some of the other, that other sort of stuff. And tonight, I want to talk about the priesthood and mechanics, or you can call it whatever you want, principles, you know, 
things that the Bible says about stuff. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> but basically, kind of how things work. Some of the, the principles behind um, how things work and what actually makes things healthy. Like, what are the specific things that, that happen that the Bible lays out in order for things to function correctly? So another way to view our small groups, fellowship groups, or whatever we end up naming them, and we're still working on a name like you said. So you might hear some different variations tonight. Uh, I think Doree wanted, uh, what was it? Uh, fellowship group of groups of the serpent crushers or something like that. It was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one. I like that one actually. Um, but whatever they are, That'll, that's to be determined. But anyway, another way is, is to, uh, to view them, these groups, as a priesthood. And so if a priesthood, then a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, the priesthood that Jesus made a way into, the priesthood that David walked in uh, back in the day. So we're talking about priestly roles and also feel like these, this the mechanics really kind of need to be brought out a little bit. So this is the, the pattern I see in my heart for us, that we would love each other enough to go before the Lord and lift one another up in prayer and be as priests before God and watchmen on the wall facing out of the city for each other, looking for anything that would come against someone and be there to contend, and be there to contend for them in the place of prayer, having each other's backs. And I believe this is already happening in our community, and uh, to a pretty good degree. But it's like I said last week: what we have is good, but what does it look like to have that in its full expression, the way the Lord wants it to be, to be drawn out? When one of my brothers tells me, you've been on my heart, which I appreciate hearing that whenever I hear it, I know what that means because I've experienced it. Either they're, t- they're taking time to pray for me just because they love me, or Jesus simply put me on their heart. And either way, they started asking Jesus what he wanted to speak to them about me. And that's an example of someone standing in a priestly role. It's another example. This can be general prayer or intercession. And it often starts in the place of stillness before God in our own hearts with a quietness in a secret place where we can hear what the Lord is speaking to us about one another. This is a major way God designed for the body to function. And sometimes God will just minister to us about some someone even while we're busy. But often, it's when we're focused in prayer alone. So the basis for the groups is actually personal intimacy with God. Like we, sh- we should have expected that, right? That's, that's got to be the basis always. 
Everything is built off that. Everything. As far as discipleship goes, one thing that sets apart real discipleship from a shell, which looks like discipleship, is the constant pointing people to Jesus rather than just accepting things that are brought forward. There's a responsibility. There's a responsibility for every Christian who needs to be discipled to go before the Father with every single thing and check that with the Father rather than just replicating a belief system. This positions us to scrub things that don't belong so that the things that remain are healthy things that are actually from the Lord and not from man. And then the, out, the outcome is healthy people and healthy community. You can't have healthy community without healthy people. You see that building block, intimacy, relationship. It all starts in these most basic building blocks. So let's go over some other mechanical uh, mechanics, mechanicals, mechanics or principles for our care groups. So that's another potential name. So listen for those names. And uh, if you have any, maybe tell David. <laughs> yeah. We should do like a sign-up sheet type deal where everybody just brainstorms and then we pick one out of a hat or something. That'd be sweet. Probably won't do that, though. Uh, probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but uh, for starters... Let's be able to disagree if we need to, but in, but in prayer to the Lord to bring clarity and truth while we love our brothers and sisters in the meantime. We have to actually practice 1 Corinthians 13 and love people. We need to speak the truth and do it in love. No, these, y'all know this, right? Super simple, basics, but it needs to be said because when we start coming up with things that are more complicated because we feel like we need to be complicated to do something cool, we immediately step into just this stupid error that is so, such a big target for mankind. <laughs> we overstep the very thing that was going to bring life. <laughs> and we go, we go into something else. So let's not do that. And if we're not doing that, let's just, we're just going to rehash some of these basic things. And let's, let's, you know, I'm going to stop right now. Lord, I just ask you that you would put these things so fresh and clear in our hearts. Lord, in the place they're supposed to be in. That we wouldn't have a desire in our hearts to overcomplicate things. Or go outside of what you said, Lord, but just to abide in your, your truths, Lord, as simple as they may be or as complex as they may be. We just thank you that you just speak to our hearts and just write your law in our hearts, Lord. I thank you for that tonight, Lord. It's amazing how simple and balanced the word is. So another mechanic is we need to not let the sun go down on our anger. If something comes up, let's deal with it. 
Sometimes that's not always possible in a day. We're not ready or don't even have the words or emotional clarity to deal with things. And it's better to wait till we're ready. But also, not letting things just fester and just dealing with them. Getting healed, getting closure, resolution. That's, that's a mechanic uh, of small group stuff. That's, that's how it needs to work. And as a, as a Christian, as Christians, we're, we are totally not allowed to gossip. That's just a thing. Um, but as someone who's in a place to help people, it's so much more important that we don't share information that is trusted with us. Kind of like if it doesn't need to be shared, even if it doesn't seem like it would be a real negative, even then, you know. And if someone, if someone comes to a leader or anyone in a group or, congregate, or the congregation and shares the intimate depth of the heart or what they're dealing with, they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position with the understanding that it's for help. It's so important to honor our brothers and sisters in the Lord or that trust can just be shattered. Let's protect that. Instead of talking about their problem, their problems, the, the need really is that uh, they have someone to go to bat in prayer for them instead of gossiping about it, to bring encouragement. And this is an opportunity and maybe even an invite from the Father to join Him in prayer for them, to intercede for them for breakthrough so that they'll be able to walk in the Father's plans for them. I don't want to be committed to religious exercises but what I am willing to be committed to is what God has called me to do and to be committed to people for the sake of love. And there are logistics, time, calendars, you know, commitments, all this stuff. You know, life, life's happening all around us, right? <clears throat> Babies running around, you know. <laughs> Toddlers toddling. Uh, So there's lots of rubber meets the road moments where all our right reason commitments and love are tested. Well, maybe it doesn't feel so spiritual or easy or nice. I'm asking you to commit to to not just small groups. I'm asking you to commit to rest. I'm asking you to commit to not overdoing it by stepping into your own strength. We can balance the logistics, the time, the calendars, the commitment, life happening all around, toddlers running around, and everything else, right? But I'm, if you're going to commit to one, I'm asking you to commit to the other. If you're going to commit to a, to a small group, to the people, I'm also asking you to commit to making sure that you are taking 
carry yourself, like you're checking on yourself, that you're rested and that you're not overdoing it or stepping into your own strength. I'm asking you to seek the Lord. I'm making sure your engagement, commitment, and energy to engage with our groups are not too much so that it's not in your own strength and not too little where you're not effective in your calling. You need to be the main one checking on yourself for those things. And guess what that requires? We spend time with Jesus and abide continually, which we already know we're supposed to do anyway. In the secret place, the Lord may call you to increase your capacity. He may give you grace to do that if he's going to call you to increase your capacity. Or he may tell you to slow down. Either way, we really we have to stay in that place of rest. If we ever lose focus on resting in him, we are toast. We're completely toast. And God help us to always make rest the first step to engagement. <clears throat> when we have deep relationships centered on Christ, we can share our testimonies in an ongoing sense. For example, what the Lord has been doing in my life lately and what he's done in years past. My testimony becomes your testimony and your testimony becomes my testimony as we share what the Lord has done. And how does this work? Like what's the actual function? of How's that, you know, the mechanics of that? We see the evidence in each other's lives. And what it does is it strengthens us. Because there isn't a small number of points in testimony for the deceiver to try and attack us on. Having those large numbers of testimonies corporately helps us as a community and makes us more resilient and stronger. When I see the fruit in your life and you tell me a testimony about how that fruit came about, then I'm a witness to that in your life. Even though I didn't have a first-hand account, I'm still a witness because I, I see the fruit that you're bearing. That's a strong testimony. That's a strong testimony. And when you see that in my life, Lord willing, it's the same. When we do that one to another, the strength just builds. And that's really, really important in our community. We could reframe everything we're talking about in, form, in uh, terms of family, and that'd be just as applicable, but that's not for me to do tonight. Maybe, we, maybe that'll be done by the time we're uh, done talking about you know, the initial run of talking about small group stuff. But uh, one more reason for groups uh, is in case of an emergency. I just want to make sure that I touched on this because I didn't touch on it last, last week. Uh, you know, some sort of extreme event or disaster Anything from another pandemic to social unrest, food shortages. Hope we don't get a YouTube strike for me saying that. Uh, weather disasters. But we really should be able to help one another and take care of each other. It's kind of a, it almost seems like a more, you know, uh, footnote sort of thing, but it is important. And without getting into the weeds on how the groups, you know, 
kind of can help with doing that, just know that we have that in mind. Having small groups and a pastoral care team via small group leadership in place can make for a lot more thoroughness in prayer for individuals and opportunities for people to engage in relationship and discipleship and for maturity to develop. develop. That thoroughness coming from intentional relationship is important. We just don't get as many opportunities if we're not around each other, if we're not engaged in each other's lives. And Cassie was actually kind of mentioning something along those lines before the, the service. We've got, to, we've got to actually do life together to be able to accomplish the things that we want to do. So there's a thoroughness that's inherent with a commitment to being with each other that I think uh, is important. I don't know that I've ever heard that talked about, but I think that's a big deal. Ignoring the differences we have is such a sweet thing. Ignoring the differences we have. I apologize if that sounds like something the communists trying to take over our country would say, uh, but it's the truth. When I'm one way and you're another, being present in each other's life, lives, while practicing 1 Corinthians 13 for real is such a good way to become more united as believers. And David's talked about that a bunch. If we're cut from different cloth, it is so good for us to love each other through our differences. It's one of those things in life that rounds over our rough edges. It forces us to give up personal preferences in favor of the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is making each of us more like Jesus, even if we start on opposite ends of culture, personality, or experience, he brings us to being more like him. If we're not willing to stick out the sometimes even awkward or difficult times, then we don't get to have that experience and testimony. So I'm going to relate something that I know and uh, relate it to soil. So in soil, if a soil has a pH that is high or low, adding organic matter to it brings it toward a neutral pH. Neutral pH is the place where uh, the most amount of plants, the most different species of plants are able to thrive. So let's say you're adding compost to your, to your top of your soil or mixing it in, incorporating it. If one soil has a pH of 6, which is low, and a, another, pH, another soil has a pH of, say, 8, which is high, if you add organic matter... It brings both of them towards a pH of seven. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is like that organic matter bringing all of us into being more like Jesus 
And the more we're like Jesus, the less all the other stuff matters. Right? When we're, like, when we're more like Jesus, we don't care about our, putting ourselves first as much. Every little bit that he changes us into his image has a great impact on how much we actually are more compatible with each other. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I don't know how many people that I've met who have not been friends in the world are friends because they're both in God. And you know what? The world claims to do that. But their magicians, snake imposters, are going to get eaten up by the real deal. Glory be to God. The world claims that with all their public service announcement commercials and all their talking points and all their nonsense, and they don't accomplish it at all. Jesus accomplishes it. We need to, like I said, we need to be willing to confront an issue if it arises. And many, maybe most of us don't like to confront an issue when it comes to talking to somebody about something they did or said. It's so much easier to just try and ignore it. The problem is that that doesn't work. <laughs> and we need to deal with things as they arise. Whenever there's been a wound or a failure, a common pitfall that just seems like it's always going to be that way, let's have hope and ask God that that thing will get fixed, that it'll be better than it's ever been, that there'll be healing and permanent breakthrough, that the rut, the, the wheels used to always fall into would be replaced by a new normal of a path of life and health. The Lord would bring healing and abundant life. If we're committed to one another, can we pray for that? Can we, can we believe the Lord? Can we ask the Lord to make new things that, that actually break people in a permanent, permanent breakthrough? Can we have uncommon hope? Uncommon health in our community? If because of hurt and past experiences, we believe that an issue will never be resolved, we need hope. I've been there. I've been there. I've, I'm, I'm thinking of a relationship in my life that I, I just, I literally didn't know that it could get fixed. I had so much doubt because the, the path was so well trodden. It just didn't seem possible. It just really didn't seem possible. But the Lord did it. The Lord did it. We need hope. We need to learn how to dream with God for a better thing, a new thing, for him to fix the old thing so it's unrecognizable and it's a legitimately new thing. 
What if we ask God to make those new paths better than the old ones ever were? I was just kind of, the Lord's had me kind of parked on this. Uh, And I just really was thinking about just the mechanics of like relationships in life and how they're just kind of, they're weird. They like, things just get stuck, you know? And, and things that, that shouldn't be blown out of proportion, they can be. Especially when people are young. So often a seemingly minor event stands in the memory of something that can tend to just stick out like for the rest of someone's life. For example, you know, someone, some uh, loved one's fighting, a traumatic event, something someone said, and that can just get played out in the mind and emotions for years and years. And it can take a lot to get out of that rut. I was just thinking, just kind of try to follow me. I'm not sure this is going to be come out very uh, well, but I'm going to try it. Um, because this is what I've kind of been in deep thought of lately. You know, say that I had a friend in, we'll just say high school, right? And I, I knew this person pretty well. And there was just something that really hurt me in high school. And then I don't see that person for, say, 25 years in my head, that's how that person is. That one memory is how they are for the rest of eternity, right? <laughs> it's like, it's weird. It's blown out of proportion. It doesn't make logical sense, really. But it's, it's how the human mind tends to function. Now contrast that with, I'm going to make up a name, Jack, okay? Jack meets this person right after high school, and for that 25 years, call it 24 years, just has known Jack well, or Jack has known that person well, and they will speak the world of that person because maybe they changed right after, and they never experienced that. And it's funny how the, the end of a matter can be bigger and more important than the beginning of a matter and something that really should just be a nothing but in our hearts, in our minds, these things become huge. And they can stick with people for the rest of their lives. These are little things a lot of times. Sometimes they're big things. Sometimes they're things that it doesn't matter what you do. You're gonna, you actually are going to need the Lord to break through. Sometimes it's really just simple stuff that we just need to... We need to um, give it to the Lord and forge new paths. But it's just, it's strange how relationship dynamics work in our hearts and minds over time. But I, I feel like the Lord's speaking about this. And what he's saying is, it takes time to displace old memories and hurts and pains. And it can take time even to believe 
that things can be better and that they don't have to go back to the way they were. It takes a pattern of the new thing in place long enough that it naturally displaces the old thing sometimes. The Lord can do it supernaturally, but as an, it, as an example, that friend from high school, if I didn't see him even for 25 years, and in my head, in my heart, he was this, this way. And then I ran back into him, and I was willing to have a relationship with him again. That could be changed. That old memory could be displaced. That happens. That's happened to me. That's happened to me a pretty good amount of times. And it's important to understand or to believe that it's worth sticking to that new pattern to hold out in that relationship with hope that the Lord can make a new thing. And you know, yeah, you know what else it takes? It takes commitment. And I've seen it myself, especially in the beginning of a new thing, I'm not very comfortable. I'm not convinced that it's actually a new thing. It's early, and I can bail, right? That'd be the easy way. I just don't have to see those people anymore, right? It's pretty simple. That'll work. Nope. The pain and the problem are just hidden, just kind of hidden. They're not even fully hidden. They're just kind of hidden. And all I'm doing in that scenario is distracting Myself, And if it's possible, I need to be committed to stick it out while a new pattern is being solidified, especially with believers where we have reason to believe that the Holy Spirit is working in them, that there is actually hope for that. So as far as commitment goes, To help myself, I've made uh, this, this thing. It's kind of a rule for myself to help me stay engaged and committed to the right degree. And I call it my 80% rule. And what it is, it's a general guideline for myself. So I have a baseline to help me measure my success and how I engage my commitments. Because I like to be consistent in things. So for me... If I'd like to be consistent with something, that's an ongoing thing in my life, then what I want to do is engage about 80% of the time. The way I got there was, I mean, it was real simple. It was just from feeling really dissatisfied with personal engagement. Um, when it was, you know, say around 50%, I just wasn't satisfied with it. It's not like a hard and fast rule, but I just wasn't satisfied with with, a, with that kind of engagement in my spirit, I didn't feel like I was, you know, didn't, didn't feel right. didn't feel like I was doing what I should be doing. So I started thinking about that, uh, what level of engagement I was personally uh, satisfied with. So if that means a time commitment for something like church service, personally, I'm shooting for like, say, 80%. And if I can be more consistent, uh, consistent than cool if it's like 
80, 90%, whatever, cool. The end outcome is not really the important thing. I'm just trying to honor myself and what I set out to do. And if I landed in there, then I'm happy with that because it feels right. So that's like a tool that I use for myself uh, because sometimes, you know, like there might be something I really should do or the Lord's leading me to do. And if I set my goal at whatever and then I let those things knock off some percentages, then I end up back where I was. And so for me, that's where I, I like to reevaluate how I got to that point. And like maybe I need to, you know, uh, kind of recategorize some things and change up some of my boundaries or something. But just, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing something perfectly, right, or extraordinarily doing it, I'm likely not going to be successful or make an impact if I don't do that thing enough, right? So that commitment level is important, but I, can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not a do-as-I-say sort of thing. I want to encourage you to ask Jesus what healthy engagement looks like for you in all areas, from those new paths he may want to do in your life to any other kind of commitment, say for small groups or whatever it is, ask the Lord where he wants you to be. I don't know what that is. But it's something that would probably be healthy for all of us to reflect on periodically. So what am I talking about in relation to fellowship groups? I'm not talking about our commitment to a meeting place or time when we gather necessarily, but I'm talking about uh, being committed to one another. What does that look like for you? I, have, I generally have an idea what that looks like for me, and I don't want to impose anything on you, but I do want you to be successful in what the Lord wants you to do, wants us to do. So what's the right amount of engagement. Maybe that's primarily a question of what kind of uh, engagement in prayer you have for other people. How, how engaged is your heart? It's kind of off the beaten trail sort of questions, right? Like really reflecting where our hearts are. Proverbs 20 Verse six says, many a man proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. It's one of my favorite verses. Can we be a people who underpromise but overdeliver? Again, I think we do this well, but what does it look like in the full expression the Lord wants for us? If we can be a people who each have an individual drive in our hearts from the Lord rather than a leadership team pulling commitment out of everyone, (laughs) then there's resilience and health. If I'm a committed priest, then I'm gonna go before the Father on behalf of my brother and cover him in prayer. It's a service of intercession and covering takes commitment to do that too. If a brother comes to me and says, hey, I have this issue in my life, 
I don't want to talk about that to others. And his vulnerability, I want to protect him and contend for him. When he's hurt, I hurt. It's real to me. It matters. It takes mental and emotional space. And that's being a priest. It's my joy to enter into that. Partly because I love him and partly because I'm hoping for the breakthrough that's going to leave him in a better and maybe more mature place as a believer. And I want to celebrate with him when he gets that breakthrough. And I want to partake in that testimony. I love that. What a joy to be in this life and be able to partake in the testimonies of others. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Man, thank you, Lord. Lord, just thank you for allowing us to be used in that way in your kingdom, Lord. What a privilege. What a privilege. What a privilege to lay our lives down and be involved in someone's eternity, Lord. I just thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes there, sometimes there is brazen sin, though. High-handed sin, something that you know does warrant that we go to the leadership team or whatever and talk about it. Uh, but if it's not that, just covering people, just taking care of them, just interceding, being there for them, enduring while they're trying to be free, while they're contending for their own breakthrough, that we join in our own secret place for them. That's something I think that God really wants for small groups. He's been just really putting that on my heart. My heart. If I see a thing in someone's life and I believe that that thing's out of alignment or just plain wrong, it's my joy and honor to seek the Lord on that. I have to check my heart and intercede for that person while I cover them in prayer. And if it's something directed at me, I especially need the desire to choose to overlook a matter. And I like to not mention a negative word to anyone about it, but rather just to give that to the Lord. If I'm going to say something, I want it to be building up, even if someone's hurt me. That's my goal. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. That's another one of my favorite scriptures. <laughs> That's awesome. That's totally different from the false grace message of you can do whatever you want. This is protecting someone as they're seeking God in sincerity. Completely, totally different thing. Also, Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, 
but he repeats a matter separates close friends. Like I said, that's not always appropriate to not share that. Sometimes we need to, but the Lord will let us know what those things are that need to be shared. In general, building people up in the, in the place of prayer is so much more fruitful than anything else. And I like to pray that the Lord will show me if I'm in error first or have something wrong with what I'm believing concerning that person. And I ask the Lord to help me have a heart for them while helping me to intercede for them. And I want to put my, my I want to put myself lower than them. I want to put I want to put them higher than myself in my heart. This is <laughs> this is a, a goal, and I usually land where I intend to land, but that does not mean that is not a process either. <laughs> so, if you find yourself struggling with this stuff, and you're like, "No, I'm going to love them," and you know <laughs> that sort of thing. That is okay. <laughs> that is a process between you and the Holy Spirit where he trains you to do that. I do that all the time. It's not a, it's a, here's the difference. If a thought comes to your mind or comes from your mind, it is not a sin. When it is a sin is when you engage that thought. When you own that thought. Having a thought come to you, especially from the enemy, is not sin. Wrangling through that and saying, no, wait, hold on. What is that thing there? What is that? Why am I feeling myself being boasted up? Like, what is happening in my heart right now? That's not a sin. It's what you do with that. So when you take that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I hate them. That's right. That's fine. I'm okay. I'm, that's I'm good. I'm I can hate them. That's biblical. <laughs> come up with whatever you want to come up with, right? Well, it says in this chapter that God said to smite them. Whatever you can come, we can come up with whatever we want, right? People use the Bible. To, the devil used the Bible, right, on Jesus, which was stupid, but uh, <laughs> he did it, right? <laughs> we can use it. We can come up with an argument, right? But it's when, we, when the Holy, we engage the Holy Spirit in that thing, we're like, hold on, what is that thing right there? No. And, there, and also, therefore, I declare battle against you, thing. <laughs> and you are now under siege, and I'm going to submit you to Jesus. And I'm going to commit to submitting you to Jesus as long as it takes until you're gone. That's, that's the way I do it anyways. <laughs> if someone has a better way, that's awesome. Please share that with me. Uh, but I just want to encourage you that, like for example, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I really am not willing to be offended. I'm really not. And every now and again, I am offended. <laughs> if, you know, my defenses are down or whatever, that's, that has happened. I'm not going to act like it hasn't. But in order for me not to be offended means that when the offense comes and I'm, it's right there for me to take, for me to engage in this offense and be offended, I have decided in my heart that I'm not allowed to be offended because that's what the word 
shows us, right? That's what the, the Spirit shows us. So from that point, that thing is not welcome. And as long as it takes for it to be gone is how long it takes. When I was younger, <laughs> I actually used to take joy, maybe great joy in telling someone off. <laughs> uh, thank God that that's, <laughs> that's not where I am anymore. But obviously the Lord told me that that was wrong. <laughs> But even if it was, I was right, like in the reason that I was going to tell somebody off, right? The way that my heart was engaged in that was wrong. And his design is that instead we go to the secret place and we intercede for them and we forgive them. We don't even have to say a word, oftentimes. Although I do ask the Lord that if he does want me to say something, he'll show me that. He'll show me what I need to say. He'll give me the timing. I pray he'll give me opportunity for us to talk. That he'll soften their heart and my heart. And it's, I'll tell you what, it is funny how often I don't even have to say anything. Or do anything. Anything but seek the Lord in prayer. And that person has a breakthrough in that area on their own. And I get to rejoice with them. And sometimes I'll tell them that. And sometimes I don't. And I just get to enjoy it myself. And by the way, if you've ever done that for me, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's happened from some people in here. The Lord's the one who actually leads that, right? That's not like, hey, we're amazing. We just... We're so just go before the Lord for everything. It's like, no, he, if, it's, if, it's, if it's good, it has originated from him, right? So if, if that is like, hey, go, go pray and seek me about this person. Don't just stop and give it to me. Get your bearings and calm down. Or just ask the Lord to do it. That, even that, those little leadings are from him. And we just need to be in a place where we can hear the Lord's heart and join with him in his intercession. Another thing that the Lord's just kind of been, uh, just kind of put it in my mind, in my heart, um, is just how the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And how I believe that he wants us to be praying over things in that way. And deep intercession for people and situations. I think, see, I think he wants us to be in a place of stillness, of soul. Letting him develop a thing. So that when it's ready to be released, it's not half-baked, but it's from him and so it's going to bear fruit. You know, it's kind of funny how things, how just 
people, how we work, right? Dealing with issues is something we need to, that we need to talk about a lot of times. But another really big kind of mechanic or factor of small groups, whatever we call them, fellowship of the ring groups, you know, whatever, fellowship ring groups. Uh, that was another one. <laughs> you got any back there, Chris? You missed your opportunity, bro. But uh, besides, you know, just like dealing with things, we just need to be able to know each other. We need to be able to know, like, I want to know how you function, right? Like, you're not a robot, I hope. No, I'm just kidding. You're, you're not... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> These days, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> can Christians, can robots be Christians? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a world, what a world. Uh, but what we, we need to, we need to be able to just share, like, just kind of details of just who we are, like how we function, right? Like I know that David, he, he likes to joke around. And if I didn't know, then like for me, like how, you know, I tend to function, like I would be like totally on guard, right? Like David knows that, right? <laughs> and so he's like, okay, there's a boundary with Jonathan. And I, know, and I think it's right about here. And so he'll go, where we can still enjoy this side of the boundary and it's, it's fun and it's great, it's good, right? But if we didn't share that with each other, if we weren't each, in each other's lives and he's just some head pastor that I never talked to, I wouldn't know that about him. He wouldn't know things about me. We wouldn't know things about each other. We don't know those things unless we do life together. Those little nuances of like, hey, you know, I think I was sharing a while back with, uh, I don't remember, is either Charles or Marshall or both. I'm just like, you know, something was heavy on my, on my heart and on my mind. I'm dealing with something. It's like, I had to explain that when, oh, you, know, you actually don't know this about me. This is a while back. When you see me in this kind of state where I'm going through something, just, I just generally want you to know that that kind of happens periodically. And it's this, you seeing me act like this is my state of getting through to victory. This is what it looks like generally in my life, right? But if you didn't know that, you might be freaking out, <laughs> thinking, what is wrong with Jonathan? Is he going to be okay? Really, it's my process of getting, like, I get mad and then, like, the Lord like gives me this like energy boost in the spirit, like through the madness, like through being angry at the devil. And it like helps me to overcome. And it's like this, I just feel this like rush of, from God. It's like, it's, it's awesome. It's wonderful. I enjoy it a lot. Right. But if you didn't know that about me and you saw me acting like that, 
you might be like a little worried, right? <laughs> Maybe you should be worried, right? But if I share that, that nuance about who I am, then you know. And those little details of life, we often leave out. It's kind of like the nutrients in our food. Those little ones that are supposed to be in there, they're not in there. <laughs> they got washed out when the, they got taken up by plants many, 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 many years ago. And the land was never allowed to regenerate itself. And those micronutrients were never in there. Again, it's never supplemented with the things it needs. The soil wasn't full, robust, and healthy. What was left is this like ultra-processed like carbon. <laughs> it's just like this starch. There's nothing left in it. Right, Ms. Sharon? <laughs> That's what it is, right? If we're not careful, then in Christianity, we can tend to have relationships like that. We can have lives like that where we get some basic you know, stuff, but we don't go any deeper. So we don't know the richness of our brother, our sister. We never have an opportunity to learn that. Those things are, they're really sweet. They're important. So walking in our roles as priests and using these principles or mechanics as laid out in the word is how as a whole, the body of Christ is supposed to answer the call of growing into maturity. So that there are fathers and shepherds and teachers, like we talked about last week, not just for ourselves, but for the following generations. That's, that needs to be restored. Those things need to be restored. The richness of what the Lord has for us needs to be restored. In the context of, you know, whatever we call our groups, um, that's the only reason we're doing them. Because of all the things we've talked about. We're not doing them for some other reason or to have a program. And if they don't, if they don't do what they're supposed to, then we need to go back to the drawing board. But I hope that the Lord will use those to really uh, just kind of give us an opportunity to be in each other's lives in, that way, in all those ways. So I wanted to um, read some verses that I think uh, were highlighted or should be highlighted by what we're talking about tonight. And so I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13. So if you want to flip there, I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Dere often says something like, and I'm paraphrasing, so I hope I don't butcher it, but I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter, fill in the blank. Whenever you have a chance to read Isaiah, you should do it. <laughs> and I generally agree with that. I, I'm going to add to that 1 Corinthians 13. 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith Hope and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. I really want to focus on that, verses four through seven. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think in there, there's a path for hope, to have hope for the Lord to do a new thing in your life, in our, all of our lives, if it, needs to, if it needs to be done, if the Lord needs to make a new path. There's love that covers and intercedes and doesn't repeat a matter. There's allowing ourselves to uh, have our rough edges rounded over. When we interact with people that maybe we don't naturally just kind of get along with super awesome. We need to remember this stuff. Lord, help us live that. Help us to actually, that to be written on our hearts. But to really be written on our hearts, Lord. Help us to remember whenever we need to remember that. You know, the love that we have for one another is actually a sign that we're different from the world. And it's actually God's love. And it's what overcomes the world. I want to read uh, 
Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. The worship team can come up. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 17. Just kind of felt like this summed up a lot of what we were talking about tonight. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual uh, songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving giving thanks to God the Father through him. When we have fellowshiped together or when we've been in the fray together, whether battling in spiritual things or have had issues between us yet have overcome, then in the years to come and forever, we're going to be able to share in testimony, camaraderie, and friendship. And enjoy the testimony of what the Lord has done. That's a beautiful thing, man. What the world has in comparison to that is just, it just pales in comparison. When the Lord builds up people together, man. Let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment to ask the Lord just what he wants to speak to us right now in our own our own secret place
Lord, I thank you for clarity of vision. I thank you that you help us be a people who are committed, but not in the normal way. That we're only committed from a place of health in you, Lord. That we walk in grace. That we start from a place of rest and stay in that place of rest, Lord. That we would be priests one to another. That we would lift each other up, Lord. Even if it takes a long time, that we'd be committed because love would be the driving force in our lives, Lord, in our hearts, in everything that we do. We wouldn't do it out of compulsion, but we'd do it for the right reasons. Thank you that you encourage us, Lord, and just continue to just show us all the mechanics and just the principles and things that we need to see in relation to small group stuff, Lord, just that we'd be able to really function how you've called us to. Thank you for health in this body. Thank you for uncommon health. Thank you for healing hearts and minds, Lord. I thank you for testimony. I thank you for, Lord, for testimony, stories to tell our children, our children's children, and so on, Lord. The greatness of our God and what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord.